Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Hello, podcast listeners. Today, uh, we have a kind of special banter for you. So just a couple days ago, uh, Stuart and I did a very fun shoot. And today we are going to talk about that shoot. (laughs) Today, we are going to shill for Laua, even though we are not sponsored. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag not sponsored. So if you are listening to this in just the podcast audio form, you are about to hear a musical interlude. Otherwise, if you are watching this on YouTube, then this is the clip we are going to be talking about this episode. explain um what's going on for those of you that are listening only although really you should watch the video uh to get some more context for this what we did was we did a shoot with some miniatures and the lawa probe lens which if you're not familiar is a lens that looks almost like a gun barrel it's this really long skinny lens um that's built to it's a macro lens it's basically built so that you can put it in places and give yourself a perspective of being like a tiny little person um, looking at... A bug's at, eye yeah, perspective. It really yeah. is a bug's eye perspective. Um, so if uh, Disney were to uh, do a live action bug's life, like they're doing live action of every other movie, they would probably shoot it on the Laua probe lens. And no, yeah. the Lion King is not live action. It is CG. <laughs> I mean, real live action. <laughs> So the Laua Probe Lens is a 24mm wide-angle macro. Now, the thing that we're talking about that really makes this lens special, again, not sponsored, this is just a kind of weird, crazy thing, and we like talking about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, the thing that makes this special is the minimum focus distance for this lens is literally the tip of the barrel. It is zero inches. Um, and so that means that you can basically get wide angle photos that you can't get otherwise. I think there's like a 60 mil macro made by Canon or something, but the one that most people use is a hundred mil macro. Um, macro is just a very telephoto telescopic thing. And for when we're talking about lens compression, when you zoom in at a hundred mil, you see nothing. There's mm-hmm. no environment. You have complete isolation of your subject. And at that um, uh, focal length, your depth of field is just razor thin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Laua Probe lens, you're even at f14, which is the widest the aperture goes, you're still razor thin. Yeah, that's true. But you... But you get yeah you get that wide angle perspective so you see environment you see context Mm -hmm. and that is the thing that makes basically it looks like cgi but it's not yeah it really does and when you 
Um, we would encourage you beyond uh, looking at the video that we shot to look at other Laowa Probe Lens videos. The downside to looking those up is you will now be able to identify every shot made with a Laowa yes. Probe Lens forever. And it's very common, St- or increasingly common, Stuart- especially with product <laughs> photography. Everything is like, oh, wait, that's a Laowa Probe Lens. Oh, that's a Laowa Stuart Probe Lens. Stuart and I have a running <laughs> chat thread where we just send each other links and go, Probe Lens! Yep, exactly. <laughs> so you too will have just, that superpower. Yeah. Um, but besides gaining the superpower of being able to identify this incredibly niche and kind of expensive lens, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about uh, this shot. So so one of the things that uh, I get asked a lot is when you're doing like a portrait shoot with somebody, right? How many photos per hour do you get? Well, we're going to reverse that on you. And how many hours per photo? That's <laughs> that's kind of what we're talking about today. So we are going to break down kind of uh, our thinking about it and then our physical onset stuff and how we came up with what I think is a pretty cool shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what was the original? I guess the original concept is we just wanted to we we talk about this all the time like once you got a probe lens it was a discussion of what things can we shoot with the probe lens yeah. and that list is essentially unending and we're always finding new stuff to shoot with it but yeah. we did talk about minis um we're both uh to some degree invested in the uh board game and miniature scene nerd and, yeah nerd 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 nerd, nerd. <laughs> And See you later today for D and D. By the way, yeah. um, <laughs> that's not a no, joke. So, <laughs> so uh, no, so specifically, I am working on doing uh, a video reel. Mm-hmm. So we are going to put out a reel, being like, "Hey, here are our capabilities and kind of the cool stuff we can do. You should hire us for video." Mm-hmm. So. This particular clip does have a specific purpose. I am trying to, uh, one, show off a cool, interesting, impactful visual thing, but I'm also trying to transition from a client's clip to a second client clip, and the two have absolutely nothing to do with each other. So one is like tabletop product stuff, and the other one is a shot of Deadpool talking. So uh, this is kind of what... When we're trying to imagine what kind of transitions these two clips, I was thinking minis because minis kind of go more into the nerdscape that transition into the Deadpool, but it also transitions well out of kind of the product photography stuff. Mm. So this was kind of the, okay, we need eight seconds worth of footage to transition these two clips. Go. And we came up with the probe lens, and so that's that's kind of the the why we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, one one thing that I'll just kind of jump in when I see a lot of uh, TFP time time for prints, or or you know this applies to video as well. When people say, "Hey, I have a cool idea," and then they do a cool thing, you can do a cool thing. There's nothing against that, but who's gonna pay you for that thing? Mm-hmm. So if you're doing it as a portfolio piece then it should be like, oh, some company or, like, tabletop or gaming or someone would be like, that's amazing, I want you to do a bunch of product photography like that. Um, So I see a lot of people do, like, goth horror, glamour, boudoir type, like, portrait shoots, and I'm like, this has no audience, I don't don't get the audience, Mm -hmm. versus when we are doing shots, we, uh, our reel has a bunch of real client work in it, 
Um, but it also has these clips that we have self-selected of this would be a cool clip we would like to make for clients. And we kind of have clients in mind when we're doing that. Mm -hmm. So when you're just shooting rando stuff for yourself, like play, have fun. If you get in lens, figure out what the lens can do, obviously. But if you're trying to make a shot and you're going to invest this much time and effort, think about why, Mm -hmm. who cares that you're actually making this shot? Yeah, one of the things that I took inspiration from um, working on this project was a promotion um, for Halo. I think it might have been Halo 2. Um, Microsoft did this extremely cool commercial where they built a whole landscape uh, scene from, you know, ostensibly from the game. But it was all it was all real miniatures, like real miniature work and a landscape and all this cool stuff going on. It had all these sound effects and it had a camera that kind of zoomed through the scene. Everything was static, but it, it hinted at, you know, actual motion um, going on. It really fantastic commercial. Um, I would encourage you to look it up. I, I think it was Halo 2, but if you just search like Halo miniature commercial, um, it'll show up. And this is something that, like the Laua Probe Lens is... Like, that commercial was pretty cool, but boy, if they had had the probe lens at that time, it would have taken it to an entirely new level. And that was some of the inspiration for this shoot, for me personally, was uh, bringing it even, taking that kind of concept, but bringing it uh, down closer and being more present in the space. I mean, the first thing involved in getting this shoot is obviously the logistics of getting everyone together, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, my friend Daryl paints uh, Warhammer minis and volunteered to bring a huge stash of minis and terrain over. Um, And then I, you know, have a table. So Stuart and I started kind of pre-planning what we wanted to do. But of course, once we actually get on set, so much can change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can kind of break down the rest of this episode. So far, we've kind of done introduction and what i would call Mm -hmm. non-technical um i i do feel like the non-technical parts of a photo shoot are really important though why are you doing it what is the purpose that you're doing it for what are your inspirations for it i feel like all of that is really important to a shoot um but now we are going to get into a lot more of the filmmaking technical parts um so we brought over all the minis um and really the probe lens It shines when you can do two things. When you can get razor close to a thing, Mm -hmm. that's number one. And when you can go through an object, that's number two. So if you think about putting your uh, camera lens through like the, the holes in a chain link fence... And then when you pull through that chain link fence, you're like, whoa, the camera just went through the fence. Mm -hmm. We wanted to kind of create that... I knew I wanted to kind of go through a scene, not just over a scene, like you would do have to do with a more traditional camera and lens setup. Um, so uh, I, as soon as I found that rock crag terrain that had that hole that we could pull through, I'm like, we have to build the, our set piece around this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to give a little bit of context, um, the there are there's this rock crag that's kind of the center that the the probe lens starts actually kind of inserted into this hole in the crag and then it pulls back um and that crag splits up basically three scenes um in the in the clip uh there's there's sort of a start scene a a middle scene and an end scene Mm -hmm. um and that start and end are are particularly impactful um intentionally so with bigger more detailed characters and kind of more action going on um 
And that was, uh, turns out, kind of tricky to pull off. Um, that movement, of course, we put it on a slider. We actually went through a couple different sliders to try to figure we out did. which one was was uh, was functional for it. Um, so, so let's a- let's actually start there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we started just throwing stuff on a table, and then um, Daryl set up this beautiful scene. Which, if you were sitting down to actually play games. It looked great. Mm -hmm. But when we looked at it through the lens of the camera, we saw two-thirds of what he set down was out of the field of view. So it was useless. So we talked about doing more of a channel because that's what the camera is actually going to see. Um, And But but, uh, um, can you talk a little bit more about kind of our our decision-making that day of when we started with slider? So we started with your slider because your slider is objectively better. But uh, if you just want to kind of walk us through that. Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, he he built a great scene um, that looks awesome from a human's perspective. But from the slider's perspective, it looked a little far apart and or was not seen at all. Um, So... What, as we were setting up this channel, um, I set up my slider, which is a uh, it's a motorized slider, so it, you can you can set all sorts of uh, speeds and it's app control and, and it's automated, and, and it's, so it has a fancy. perfect yeah, it's yeah. belt driven, so it has a perfect pull every time. Mm-hmm. There's one big downside to it though, and that is that it'll at least with the pro blends mounted on it, it'll do about 18 inches of travel, which is huge for a lot of macro um photography but in this case we wanted to have quite a long pull with a lot of different things Mm -hmm. going on through it and it just wasn't quite enough we wanted to have we wanted really to have three distinct scenes and we just couldn't quite fit it um especially going through the crag we could only get so deep in the crag um before the lens kind of bottomed out and we just didn't have quite enough space to pull all the way back and reveal the final scene uh, in the yeah clip. when when we were pulling so we started with okay let's have scene number one and then let's have a reveal going through this rock crag mm-hmm. like that was kind of the set piece yeah. but what happened was Daryl started putting minis on all the different steps on the rock crag and when your eighteen inch slider stopped we could barely even see them yep. And so we got, like, a scene and a half. We got this really cool intro, and we got a really cool transition piece. Mm -hmm. But we were missing scene number two, and I was thinking, well, my slider's only two feet. It's only six inches longer. But what can we do with that? So we really quickly just uh, took the pro blends off your slider, put it on my slider, Mm -hmm. just to see what does that extra six inches of lift get us. And what we saw is not only do we have the whole rock crag, but we have another four inches that we can put minis in. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking minis, that's a lot of room to work with. Yeah, And I realized we can get those different scenes. He had two like super detailed minis that um, even at the beginning before we kind of moved into this channel of stuff um he had these two minis that were just particularly spectacular he wanted to have them like squaring off against each other in this fighting pose and um with without those extra six inches uh we wouldn't have been able we wouldn't have been able to see them and they were so key uh to the experience so so interesting and so cool um we didn't want to leave them out um so that that six inches made all the difference um and uh, that kind of makes sense. I mean, we're working in macro world. So um, yeah. although from our perspective, it's like, really, does that make much of a difference when you're actually looking through the camera? You're like, wow, that's that's a huge, a huge extra addition of space to work. It really with. did. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the other things that I've noticed with macro is um, 
I say this all the time with portraits, actually, when you, I get a couple next to each other and they look like they're supposed to love each other. I'm like, Hey guys, you think you're close together, but the camera thinks you're, there's a mile in between you. Like get real close. Otherwise it just looks like you're just two like strangers that Mm -hmm. I'm for some reason taking a couple's portrait of. Um, it's kind of the same thing, but on a much bigger scale when you get down to minis. We were literally scraping on the rock crag, and we had maybe a millimeter's distance between, like, hitting some of his actual larger, big, detailed minis. Mm -hmm. And when we put them at kind of, like, let's say a quarter of an inch, like, safe distance, the shot just didn't look impressive anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, we were... They'd be right up against the pro. They do, and and I think what I think what that really comes down to is uh, for those of you listening at home, here is an experiment you can try. So get a one hundred mil, your longest telephoto lens, okay, and hold it on one side of your desk and look through it, and then just drag it to the other side of your desk. If you're looking at a thing in the distance, pretty much nothing changed. Mm-hmm. You saw no difference, but throw on your widest angle and now do that two foot move from side to side. You get that parallax effect and parallax is when the background is moving at a different speed than the foreground where that wide angle really accentuates that uh, by decompressing the scene. And so that kind of parallaxing multiple movement effect it adds the wow factor. It adds that. And so by having minis really, really close to the barrel and a bunch of other stuff, it looks like it's just whooshing by versus if it's slightly farther away from the barrel, it's just like, oh, hi, mm-hmm, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You get you get a much better. I mean, not only is it more in your face um, and you get a better idea of detail and really what's going on, but it gives in addition to the physical movement, it, it kind of hyper accentuates the physical movement. It was only ultimately moving, you know, a couple feet, but it the the extra density of things close mm-hmm. to the barrel really ex- kind of accelerated that movement, really exaggerated it, and made it look like we were moving much farther than we actually were. Yeah. Cool. So, so we uh, talked about kind of setting the scene. We talked about like our, our camera choices and our slider choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we were building the scene, uh, just a weird thing with the probe lens, you kind of always want to pull back rather than push forward. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do a push forward move, think about, is there a way that I can pull back and just reverse the footage in my editor? Because pushing forward is a lot more dangerous of hitting the lens against something or hitting, smacking into one of these minis that he spent days and days and hours painting. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are so many things that could go wrong when we're projectiling into this scene. So I liked the idea of the pullback and that was the original inspiration. But regardless, I think I would have wanted to make that move a pullback. Mm-hmm. And if we wanted it forward, then we would have just reversed it in the editor. So by putting the barrel in, you can build everything around the barrel mm-hmm. um, without with, with knowing that you're going to have clearance as you pull out. Yeah, I mean, and that's literally how we did it. We extended the barrel as much as possible 
and then move moved it back and as we did we built everything around it to make sure that clearances were perfect um yeah. so yeah just physically put the barrel there if you're shooting with one of these lenses there there was one weird clearance thing that um we actually ran into uh near the end um we had the entire scene built out but um what was happening is as we were pulling through the lawa probe lens has leds built into the rim so that you when you go into like an ant hole you can light up the inside of that hole well that is powered off a little usb hub kind of just uh, on the side of the barrel, um, we actually hit a point where our clearances were so tight the USB hub was hitting stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's actually a point where we do have to slide, and as we're halfway through, we're push sliding the minis in once we have clearance from that USB hub. So you're not seeing us pushing them in in the shot, but we need to have clearance to pull out the thicker part of the barrel plus the USB hub. And then we get to the thin part of the barrel and we can push um, push the minis kind of into the scene. So as they pull out, we get that grand reveal. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, again, Google the Lawa probe lens and look at the barrel shape and then you will understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that we did while we were... Um... Uh, while we were putting these scenes together is lighting the scenes were actually built so simultaneously important. with the lighting um it wasn't that we built the scene and we put the lighting in after we really thought about how it was lit while we were doing it and we experimented mm-hmm. in real time as we were placing things on the table and putting these scenes together um, sure. just to see how things looked and that that, that really also influenced um, a lot of the placement of stuff um we relied on a lot of led <laughs> for this shoot yeah so and a lot of rgb specifically. so the finished shot used nine lights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um nine so lights. so uh light number one is a floor light um it, we use an rgb panel that was colored red aimed at the gray backdrop so we can kind of get that red gradient mm-hmm. um sky look um Lights number two and three, um, I have some barrel quasars, and so we kind of um, angled those in, and one of them straight, but the other one's at an angle, um, because you were actually seeing the tip of the barrel in the end of the slider shot. Um, but So those kind of gave us a good side lighting for both sides, and gave us this kind of dynamic lighting, while um, be, like kind of evenly showing the whole frame, mm-hmm. versus if if we were to use like a big softbox, we would have covered the whole scene in a soft swash of light, which is not what we were going for. We wanted kind of this hard, direct looking light. Yeah, super dramatic. I mean, this is a battle scene. We're going for extra drama <laughs> yeah. instead of softness. Um, yeah. And then, and then you had uh, the gr- and there were a couple more LEDs um, that were uh, we used a couple of big ones just uh, to add some ambient fill and yeah. some small ones to spotlight several different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had the great idea to um, add in some of our lights that have effect options. Yeah, if you want to talk about that. So as we were setting up, um, uh, there were, we have a couple LED lights that are um, that have effects available and these can vary in quality but one of the things that i really wanted to uh to try was like fire or you know lightning kind of effects um originally i started with the background like trying to make it look like 
the sky is kind of shifting or that there's fire in the background. But what what we ended up doing is um, I just kind of plopped one on the table in front of one of the figures with a fire effect that just is kind of this pulsing orange. And it gave this really cool, dramatic underlighting. So cool. Yeah, it looked really cool. And we had a couple of those little panels available. So basically we just started throwing those in places we stood them up and tried to make it like light part of the crags um we did underlighting in the figures we really experimented with with placing those in the in the spots where they really looked best and then kind of building on top of those um uh you've got this great uh led cob light uh, that has some effects and for that one uh we put it on a um I th- it was fireworks. Firework. Mode. Yeah, because I think we tried lightning, but it was too harsh. Lightning um, was too, like, strobe light. Uh, fi- firework, you see it, the explosion, then it kind of fades out. And yeah. we were thinking, if there's stuff exploding on the battlefield, that's the lighting effect yeah, you get. Exactly. Like, we should make stuff exploding on the battlefield in light form. And so, uh, with that one, we, we put it a little bit farther away. We wanted this to be distant explosions, not like immediate, but we wanted that subtle kind of pulse of highlight uh, lighting mm-hmm. on all of the figures throughout the scene. Um, and then you threw a gel on it to give it more, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, just a daylight balanced light. Um, well, I say just, there's nothing wrong with that, but you put a, a gel, a yellow gel on that to um, give it, uh, give it a little bit more context in the scene and balance it better with the rest yeah. of the lighting, the fires and explosions that are going on around. So although, the we didn't move any of the figures through the shot i mean we moved them into the shot of course but although when you see the figures nothing is actually moving in the shot we wanted to hint at movement hint at action with and the lighting. having some of those lighting effects really helped yeah yeah so it so, was very creative and you're kind of i almost looked at it as more of a painting where you're 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 painting in new action with the lighting and and it was very experimental and, and fun to put together but it came together in this great well, nine lights. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. for the amount of the amount of space we were working in, but it came together with this great uh, lighting environment. Yeah, the the last thing I want to say about that final fireworks light is um, I was lighting the whole scene, so I I pulled back so that the the beam would cover all the minis in our scene, mm-hmm. um, but I angled it in such a way that it could backlight into that crag. And yeah. as we were doing pulls, we kept doing pulls until we got one where um, the, so these effects are random. Mm-hmm. Like they just kind of pulse and and it it's not a constant pulse. It's a little bit random pulse. So you don't know when exactly it's going to go off. But we set it at a high frequency so that it would it would kind of reliably keep doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And we kept pulling until as we were going through that rock crag, you got this perfect kind of beam of orange lighting that up so you could see all of the texture and detail in what was just a weird black encroaching rectangle closing your frame off and then all of a sudden you get this lightning type explosion light showing like oh no that's another surface and then it opens up and you see it's a whole new scene and then you keep pulling back and then these two squaring off minis are scene number three so it's a lot of depth and context that kind of going through um knowing knowing camera movement and film and cinematography both of us do so that really helped Mm -hmm. um but it was this shot was definitely this interplay of of uh the scene and the lighting and kind of the context of how all of these things kind of interplayed so yeah 
Um, the the finished result took us like five hours, three people, nine lights, but uh, <laughs> for eight like seconds, eight seconds, eight of footage. seconds of footage, <laughs> worth it. Yep, it was actually like a twenty second pull, but um, I do a little bit of speed ramping and get it to fit that eight second mark. So yeah. yeah. No, yeah. this this was this was a fun one. Um, I know this episode's. Uh, hopefully, this works in audio form. Hopefully, you guys still find this entertaining and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're doing our best to describe it. Uh, just just go see it if you can. We'll put a link in the podcast description to the YouTube video, so you can just listen to the intro again and see the clip if you want to kind of see what the heck we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, any kind of closing thoughts or interesting things or tips or, I don't know, anything that comes to mind? Um, uh, Yeah, closing thoughts. I would say that... Um, so the the probe lens is, is so cool from the perspective that it gives you. Like, the fact that we can talk about this lighting this scene as if we were, you know three and two three inches tall like that is the tool that it gives you which i know sounds weird probably to say out loud like get this tool that gives you the perspective of being two to three inches tall or don't but, get this tool so that we will be super special and yeah. amaze you every time we post a shot but i guess i guess what i want to say is like how uh how cool it is that that such a thing exists and that exists within the photo video sphere like that that you know shooting that for for real is is an incredibly fun and unique experience and um it's one of the it's it's just another one of those things that makes me uh continue to enjoy photo and video work so much is you know this isn't this isn't cgi this isn't like um you know oh let's let's go and let's model all this and do a virtual camera like let's do this for real let's use real lights real figures real camera yeah and being able to do that is so cool. So yeah, maybe don't buy a probe lens and compete with <laughs> this probe lens work that we're doing. But in the same breath, boy, if you want something like that or if something like that inspires you, um, yeah, not sponsored, but go buy so, a Lauer probe So lens. that lens is not cheap. It, no, it, it is not. Depending on where you are, it's anywhere between like 1300 to 1500 bucks. You need to really want it. <laughs> you, you do really need to want it. But... It's not a super unattainable Hollywood level of expensive. It, no, no. Like, it is a thing you could save up for and actually have. It's not a pipe dream. And I, I, I just think that's kind of amazing that this tool mm-hmm. is accessible to, at our level. Yeah. Um, like, there's uh, no other way to get this. Like, no. for, for $1,500, you're getting a viewpoint that literally does not exist in any without other... CGI. Yeah. Uh, without CGI, which is just amazing to me. So props to Lawa. I mean, they, man, if I had just like, you know, $30,000, I think I would spend it on Lawa. They make way more than just the probe lens, but the probe lens is like the highlight of yeah, weird, this is the one that we like talking about. They do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully this journey about kind of how we set up a thing behind the scenes, our, our thinking, um, our, the problem solving. There was a lot of problem solving. I mean, of those mm. five hours, probably a good hour and a half of it was trying to get like shims to be able to get things at the perfect height so that the can't. And then once we got the mini at the perfect height, you pull back the camera a little farther and now we got to cover the, up the shim with another piece of terrain or another mini or something. And, uh, no, there was, there was a lot of work and problem solving that went into this, but, um, I, I think the exploration of kind of how we made that, um, 
hopefully it's helpful to you mm-hmm. um we we had a great time doing it yeah so. yeah yeah check it out check out other uh probe stuff as well and gain the superpower of telling every shot that was made with the probe lens <laughs> so uh for this week's video uh please leave a comment on your you know podcast platform of choice or uh apple apple podcasts or the youtube video leave a comment let us know what uh crazy thing you would love to see from a probe lens perspective yeah yeah maybe we can make that happen <laughs> So uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we do hope you found this useful. Just a reminder, um, you can join us on Patreon. There's not a lot right there, but if you found this useful, entertaining, educational, a dollar just helps keep the mics on, and we will uh, bring your ears some more joy next week with a new podcast. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo op show watch us on ben's youtube channel at non-creative as in om nom nom share this with a friend and you can listen to photo op anywhere podcasts are sold or downloaded because it's free